0: you can change the word it's choice one mic one voice you can change the word, it's choice one mic one voice you can change the word it's choice one, one mic one voice
1: welcome to the one mic one voice show building the collective conscience a show that is created to give space where your voice ideas and informed opinions can be heard appreciated and and debated. I am Michael Eric Owings. And I'm
0: DT. Back up in the place to be. <laughs> Black in studios with my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all, all
1: spontaneous. <laughs> oh man, it's good to be back in the studio. A lot of stuff is going on, man. A lot yeah. of stuff is... Every time you think that um, things cannot get more more intense on the um, national level, and even what's going on here in Oklahoma City, we want to welcome all our listeners uh, from across the globe, the United the States, world. all over um, on the continent of Africa, United Kingdom. We just want to say welcome. We appreciate um,
0: Mike. You're gonna have to start working on your international greetings. Is that what it is? Yeah, we both do.
1: That would I mean, be can, that. Yeah. That would be some fun stuff to do. Yeah. Just like and you know, hola. Yeah. Yeah, konnichiwa. Yeah, go ahead, bro. I mean, I I mean, I can go on and on. <laughs> but Matt, today's show is titled um there is a double standard uh in our country. And 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 we we've touched on some of the things we're talking about today, but it's good to revisit and I I you know with what what has is going on here locally with the teachers still uh, focusing in on um, striking, come uh, April second. That's a hot topic. Uh, the Nor- the New York Times had an article about um, Oklahoma teachers. And again, folks, if you don't know, they're the lowest paid teachers in the country, and haven't got a raise in a decade. And uh, the cost of living, of course, has gone. It continues, oh. continues to go up. Uh, um, we can't personally control that, so it's a it's a pretty sad situation um uh, but um we stand with with teachers and then also we we have the march here uh the march for life uh man, it was a huge turnout um and we're going to get into some of those idiosyncrasies of of looking at that in relations to uh, kind of the black lives matter movement but but man i you know uh, I, I just want to start off, d by saying I really applaud the youth um you know having the the courage uh and the organizational skills mm-hmm. uh to bring man, it was a lot of people, yeah, and this just didn't happen in Washington, it was all
0: across the globe, yeah. really uh so your' some of your observations, uh like you said, the organizational piece kind of uh speaks to the larger. Social dynamic we have now where, you know, you can be um, one tweet away, one Facebook post away, one uh, Instagram post away or whatever from, you know, really connecting with a lot of different people and getting your calls out there, rallying people around ideas and different things like that. So. For these young people to do that, I mean, I don't say I'm surprised because this is their element now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, they're just they're using the tools that they have to to get what they need to get done. This is their weapon of war. Okay, now. Right. That's what what they have. They they
1: have uh, been birthed Mm -hmm. into this social media. They know no world outside Mm -hmm. of this. This is the way they communicate. And what we're seeing is the power of this tool Mm -hmm. used by young people. And, um, and I, I think it's, I think it's great, man. Um, uh, you know, you said it a while back how you felt like social media was really breaking down walls of division because of the way we can communicate and interact with one another, dispelling some of the stereotypical ways of looking at each other. And I agree with it. What we see today is, yeah, I can get into your
0: living room. Yeah. I can get into your car. I can get into your office. There's no other way we could have done that, you know, until now. Uh, and like you said, it's it's, it's a kind of a crazy thing, too. But, uh, man, it's, it's it's changed so many things um, about even the way we kind of see each other. And that's kind of what we're talking about uh, today.
1: And I think anybody that, that says um, these are young people, um and uh they really can't change anything, well we have to understand that throughout history um movements like this have been done by young people. when mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the civil rights movement look we we even, we can even go back to uh the Vietnam movement right uh these were young people um that stood up against the government and the uh the political leaders political pundits of their time. And so, uh, it's nothing different. They're flowing in a tradition that was already created in times past. And so I would say, you know what? Uh, do your thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but I do have some healthy criticisms, uh, about, uh, um, the perception and reaction mm-hmm. to, um, to what's happening, and there, it's only healthy because I'm excited about what's happening. Don't get me wrong, but I consider myself a social critic, so therefore I have to say the things that a lot of people don't want to say. And uh, trust me, we'll be saying a lot of that today. Um, but man, I, I, I want to just take a minute and listen. Uh, let's let's listen to this video. This brother, Stephen Clark. Mm. Did we talk. It's still happening, folks. Just because it's not in your face, just because Stormy Daniels, right, and his uh, McDougal character are coming out saying that they've been, you know, freaking with the president. Right. Okay, that's not everything. Just the Russian collusion. Black men are still being slaughtered every day in this country. And so take a listen to this.
2: Police in California are investigating why two Sacramento police officers shot an unarmed black man 20 times and killed him. New video shows the officers opening fire. 22-year-old Stefan Clark, a father of two, was in his grandparents' backyard when he was killed on Sunday. John Blackson is at police headquarters in Sacramento, where they have a lot of questions. John, good morning.
3: Good morning. Well, Sacramento police say the two responding officers believed Clark was pointing a gun at them. But despite the newly released police body cam and helicopter video, there are still questions about why police fired 20 rounds at Clark.
2: Hey, show me your hands! Stop!
3: Stop! Police body camera video released by the Sacramento Police Department shows the moment two officers opened fire on Stefan Clark.
4: Shots fired,
3: subject In the video, the officers unload a barrage of gunfire at Clark, at least 20 rounds in all, killing the 22 year old. Police believe Clark smashed a number of car windows at a sliding glass door in a South Sacramento neighborhood Sunday. Officers chased him to his grandparents' backyard. Police say they thought Clark was pointing a gun at them. That's when they fired.
2: Subject's down in the backyard. <laughs> you have a gun? Uh, We We haven't secured it.
3: Police never found a firearm, only a cell phone.
4: We want everybody to see the video, and that's why we made it a priority, so that everybody has the opportunity to see what we have the
3: opportunity to see. They came from that direction. They came came from from this direction. The Clark family's attorney, Melissa Nold, says nothing in the videos will justify the shooting.
4: You see officers saying, gun, gun, gun,
3: and them opening fire. And for the Clark family, they're promising justice. You're going to know his name forever, John. You hear me? You're going to remember like like how, you know, Trayvon Martin,
0: Mike Brown, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice. You're going to know you're going to know him. You know what I mean? You're going to remember this.
3: Clark had prior run ins with the law, including for robbery and domestic violence. Sacramento police say the two officers involved are now on paid administrative leave. John.
1: OK, so he had prior run ins with the law. So that, that might that talk to yeah, me about the
0: relevance. Yeah.
1: See that that must justify the killing. Right. <laughs> now, do we know whether the the, the police officers had prior um, complaints against them or mm-hmm. prior accusations against them? Why is it? And this is the this. Get, this is the beginning of our double standard. Why is it that they have to say he is a criminal? That's basically what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Right. He has prior run ins with the law. Was he convicted? <laughs> they didn't say that. Right? He had prior, what does that mean? I mean, was he questioned? Was he pulled over? Was he arrested? Was he, why, why, why is that even, as you say, relevant? Mm. Because what you have to do, what you have to do to justify, to appease white privilege theology, I'm gonna call it a theology because it's, it's like a religion nowadays. In order to appease that, you have to criminalize and demonize the unarmed, let me repeat that, the unarmed black man. Unless they start making cell phones that look like guns. I mean, okay, let's just just look. The man is running away. Mm. He's not standing there confronting the police. He's not running at them. I didn't hear that man yell nothing back at them, threatening. He was running, guess what, D, for his life. Run, it's, at, it's at night. And you got cops coming at you? Are you? I'm running for my life. Walter Scott. That was during the daytime. South Carolina. Running from a cop. He got shot, what, nine times? Okay. 22 years old. A father of two. Two more black kids that have to grow up without a father, knowing their father was viciously murdered. Oh, he he was he was suspected of Smashing in car windows. Mm. I, I thought we had a court of law, man. Due process and uh, all that, right? The 14th amendment, right? I, I thought we had due process. Obviously, if you are black, your, your, your due process happens on the spot. Mm.
0: This
1: is how we gonna process your ass. Twenty shots, twenty rounds of
0: a man running from you. I, <laughs> I'm I'm really speechless, man. You know, even hearing all those shots, like did something to my spirit. Just, uh, you know, I mentioned a few hundred episodes back, maybe. You know, where will we be? Uh. Well, we aren't having these type of conversations, and here we are, not hundred and something episodes later. Um, dealing with the same issues that we've been dealing with, been bringing to the table, and been trying to understand. Uh, I, I just, I wonder what the, um, the psychology is behind, you know, criminality when it comes to black people. Oh, where is the outrage? Where is the because it's like his I mean, it didn't matter who he was. You know, it's the fact that he was a black male, um, maybe perceived as dangerous, perceived as uh, somebody threatening. It was dark. Um, But his skin was telling another story than what was actually going on at the time. He was already guilty.
1: That's the problem, folks. Listen, we got to take this break, but we're going to come right back and we're going to get into this thing double standard. Why is there not such outrage over black men being slaughtered in the streets? But we have, don't get me wrong, any loss of life is wrong. But you have students being shot in the suburbs in mm. everybody's outrage. But black men have been dying for generations. Very little reporting done. Okay. Folks, we're going to take a break. We'll be
5: right back. Oklahoma Humanities Brain Box podcast uses the humanities to take listeners on a deep dive into the issues affecting American society and culture. Join some of Oklahoma's most interesting and knowledgeable humanities scholars to explore how history, literature, ethics, philosophy, and other humanities fields inform our understanding of current events and the human experience. And to find the Brain Box podcast, simply search Brain Box podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and any other podcasting library. If you have any ideas or comments rattling around in your noggin, email us at brainbox at okhumanities.org.
0: This is Josh K. And I am Leah Marie.
1: And when we listen to podcasts, we always listen to...
0: One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. Your
3: choice.
1: Tell you, there's a double standard. The eyes in which I am seen is different than the eyes in which my white brother is seen. Mm-hmm. The eyes are all still the same. They have the same uh, connections and nerve endings and the same retinas and the same. You know, I'm not a you know eye doctor, but. I would say they're the same, but uh, for some reason, uh, we're looked at differently. And a black person cannot be even, listen, doing a violent act and be seen as violent, while a white male can do a violent act and be excused as, um, well, he's, got some mental issues yeah faces some challenges yeah he's got some disabilities uh, life has been tough on him, right um, Let's take a listen to this to this video here.
5: The flag at the White House is lowered today following a mass shooting at a Las Vegas concert last night. Fifty-nine people have been confirmed dead, including at least two Canadians. As the world comes to grips with this tragedy, we're learning tonight our Prime Minister has spoken to the U.S. President, offering his condolences. So what makes an violent act an act of terrorism? It's a question many people are asking today across the globe and on social media. Over the weekend in Edmonton, a Somali suspect there after an attack was quickly labeled as a terrorist by authorities after an ISIS flag was found in his vehicle. Though in Las Vegas, where a white man is allegedly responsible for the death of more than 50 people, officials there have yet to call this terrorism. We believe it's a local individual. He resides here locally.
2: Um, I'm not at liberty to give you his uh, place of residence yet because it's an ongoing investigation. Uh, we don't know what his belief uh, system was at this time. and. Right now we believe it's a soul actor, a lone wolf type actor. It's called framing. And the way we frame these stories is is that if it's a person of color, it must be terrorism. If it's a white person, it's probably not. It's probably a mental health issue. We are now so used to the idea that acts of violence committed by people of color must have something to do with other issues. And that acts of violence committed
5: by white people have to be mental health issues. This Washington Post headline describes the alleged shooter as a gambler who liked country music and lived a quiet life. Memes also have been popping up on social media today, including this one from Family Guy, suggesting different classifications for different cultural backgrounds. During our Facebook Live interview with UFT's Jeffrey Devorkin, viewers also weighed in. Anthony Garcia wrote, The motive behind this terror attack in Vegas is hate, bigotry and racism, so now you do the math. Samantha Cato-Singleton chimed in, saying, if you're white, it's not terrorism. Usually, the definition of terrorism has been exclusive to politically motivated acts, uh, but academics look to expand that definition because of the manner and the number of people that are killed in these in these kinds of attacks. So, uh, you know, it, of course, we don't know what the motive is. We don't know if the information is still coming up. But you know, I, I was just saying on Twitter, like, if, if killing 50 people and injuring 200 isn't in terrorism, then then I quit. The United States Patriot Act recently redefined domestic terrorism as anything dangerous to human life. Earlier today, ISIS claimed responsibility, saying the shooter converted to Islam just weeks ago.
1: All right. Okay. Okay. Now we remember this shooting. Fifty nine people dead. The guy just was up there just like target practice, right? He had already rented the room, he had everything Set up, he had those bump stops that could make the gun fire automatic. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I just want to just say, what if his name was Ali Shamir? Mm -hmm. What would we be saying? What would the immediate response be? Mm -hmm. Terrorism. Terrorist. Okay. Notice here, D how they describe this man. Oh, he was a gambler. He liked country music. He could buy whatever he wanted. He lived a quiet life. We don't know as a, I guess the law enforcement, we don't know what his belief system was or is. Okay. As the gentleman said, If you are a person of color, it is terrorism. If you're white, it's mental health, mental health. We're gonna look at this next one. This has to deal with, well, you'll see.
2: Charleston is a very strong community. We have big hearts. We're a very loving community. And we're going to reach out to everyone, all victims, and we will touch them. We have victims, nine of them. But we also have victims on the other side. There are victims on this young man's side of the family. Nobody would have ever thrown them into the whirlwind of events that they have been thrown into. We must find it in our heart at some point in time, not only to help those that are victims, but to also help his family as well. Mr. Roof is charged with nine counts of murder and one count of possession of a weapon during the commission of the crime. Mr. Roof, is your address 1042-8 Garners Ferry Road in Eastover, South Carolina? Is it? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. What is your age?
0: 21.
2: You're 21 years old. Are you employed?
0: No, sir.
2: You're unemployed at this time? Yes, sir. Thank you. Would you like to make a statement in regards to this hearing concerning Ethel Lance as a victim, ma'am? You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God
5: forgive you, and I forgive you. We welcome you. Wednesday night in our Bible study with open arms. You have killed some of the most beautifulest people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts. We are the family
4: that love built. We have no room for hate,
2: so we have to forgive. I pray God on your soul. And I also thank God that I won't be around when your judgment day comes with him. May God bless you. On the nine counts of murder, I do not have the authority to set bond on these charges. On the count, one count of possession of a weapon during the commission of the crime, a violent crime, I'm setting your bond, young man, at $1 million. Is there anything else to come before this court today in regards to this case? Hearing none. We stand concluded in this hearing. Thank you. Okay. This 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 is
1: troubling to me. What do you see? What do you hear? I I hear this judge speaking to him in almost a fatherly way. Mm-hmm. Okay called him young man, said that we need to help his family. This young man's side of the family is victims. Victims When probably this young man's side of the family taught him the hate that he has. Victims on the killer side? I think they're still breathing. We must reach out to all the victims. And how he, thank you, sir. I don't know about you, I've seen plenty of minority folk that have been accused of less than that Mm -hmm. and have been talked to in the most condescending way, even for drug possession, not for slaughtering nine black people. But I have an issue here, D., why is why do we have to forgive? This is like, not a choice. Why? Is, it, is there a consequence. Did he ask for forgiveness? Did 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 Dylan Roof say, "I'm sorry, please forgive me"? No. So why why should I forgive a person that has shown no level of remorse that has not even repented? Let me say this, if you, if, if you read the, the tenet of scripture, listen, the Bible says that God will not even forgive you if you do not confess and repent. But we place ourselves above God. God himself says you must repent, confess with your mouth. Acknowledge what you have done wrong. So. I don't understand this, this, this philosophy that somehow as black people, we need to forgive people that murder us. Now. I can say. One, the only anger and bitterness can tear up a person. Right. Right. But there's a certain thing is righteous anger, Mm -hmm. right? There's nothing wrong with being angry. It's a human emotion. There's nothing wrong in being in a position where I'm not even thinking about forgiving you. Why should I? Why? What does that do? Mm -hmm. Especially when you're not even asking for it. When you think that what you have done is correct. And then I hear the lady say, may God bless you. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't want to know a God that blesses murderers. I don't want to know a God that will come into his sanctuary and murder nine of the people that are serving him. And he will turn around and bless the murderer. That's twisted thinking. I can tell you where it comes from. It's a warped sense of of how we understand the scriptures. Somehow we think that we're wrong for not saying I forgive you. Somehow we think we're, we're, we're somehow yeah, being like a holy,
0: self soothing, uh, exactly. self reconciling uh, type of thing you do. What do we have? It we got some comments. Yeah. Eliza drops a note says people who murder in that way, lack empathy. So it is pointless for the judge to speak like that to him. And so, yeah, the judge was very uh deeply compassionate um you know expressed that you know this city has a big heart, and I mean, I would say even on the individual <laughs> level, I mean, I may have been speaking more to the character of that individual judge than anything else if he was just trying to maintain some level of respect, even given what well, what was faced in front of him, but like you said, uh on the other side. You know, the victims only have those words that like can, can resonate with you. You know, as, as they were telling Ruth about, you know, may God have mercy on your soul. May God bless you. You know, they're hoping that this is the things that he thinks about as he's, uh, facing the rest of his life, uh, behind bars. But that's their only defense as opposed to a retaliation that would include, uh, you know, that unforgiving and, maybe somewhat violent side of the situation. The boy is 21 years
1: old. He walked into Mother Emmanuel, sat through the majority of the Bible study, looked at these people, these people that welcomed him in with open arms and love. And then he pulled out a gun and slaughtered them. Do you think that anything that these people will say to him is going to resonate in his heart? And somehow he's going to be like, Oh, how wrong I was. Okay. Dylan Roof is a lost cause. Dylan Roof represents what is worse in human nature. Um, and, to me, I think the death penalty is is too nice for him. Mm. He's spent the rest of his life in jail. He's twenty one years old. Let him live till he's eighty, mm. in a five by five cell, okay, with one hour of sunlight a day. Um, that's the least punishment he can receive for slaughtering, for disrupting, for hurting generationally the people of Charleston and directly to these individuals that lost their lives. But this is how, though, this is how white males are viewed. If this had been a black man that went into a white church that sat in on their Bible study and then pulled out a gun and slaughtered nine people, would they had have taken him to Burger King? He probably wouldn't
0: have made it to jail. It probably would have killed him. Would the families be on the flip side saying, Oh, we forgive you? <laughs>
1: or would the judge May be God saying, May God bless you? Or would the judge be saying, Listen, there are uh, victims, victims on both sides, and we need to help his respond? family? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm talking about. It, folks, pay attention to the subtleties. That you see. Um, Now, let's 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 just talk a little bit about just recently we've had this person. I'm not going to even name him. I'm going to call him like everybody else has called him the Austin bomber. Right now, this is what law enforcement, the guy that got up that was talking about him, said because he gave this 25 minute sort of my life. And what drove me to this point, right? Having listened to that recording, this is what this law enforcement official said. He does not at all mention anything about terrorism. Let's mark that one. Nor does he mention anything about hate. Let's mark that one. But instead, it is the outcry. Let's mark that one. Of a very challenged young man. Mm -hmm. Let's mark that one. Talking about challenges, let's mark this, in his personal life that led him to this point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What was Trayvon called? A thug. Okay. We see him on social media holding a gun. Michael Brown, well, he has run-ins with the police officers. Stephen Clark, oh, he had a trouble with the police in the, in the past. But notice here, okay, this young man talked about the challenges that he's having in his personal life.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's obvious, right? <laughs> he got some issues. Nobody uh, said
1: terrorism. Matter of fact, they will say, well, he didn't even mention terrorism. He didn't even talk about hate. Okay, do you love people when you're creating something that's going to blow them up? I don't know, man. I, I love you, Richard. So it's going to send you a package, man. You know, it's going to blow you and your family. But I love you, though. Mm hmm. Of course there's hate. There's hate inferred in the very act that he's committing. Mm -hmm. And we won't even talk about it. It was mainly to minority people. Right. Okay. So what I'm trying to say here, D is that it is clear the way that we distinguish the characterization of black males versus white males. People will say, Well, this is not terrorism. Okay. You see, the Patriot Act, Section 802, I thought you would make that statement, says this, they have expanded the definition of terrorism to cover domestic terrorism. We talked about this, I don't know how many episodes ago, it's out there, check the catalog. A person engaged in domestic terrorism, if they do an act, dangerous to what? Human life. Blowing What about a up? bomb? Okay. Isn't that dangerous to human life? What about the the, the uh the guy in Vegas? Okay, mm. just randomly shooting is that dangerous to human life? Right? Okay, what about Dylan Roof walking in? Is that dangerous to human life? That is a violation of criminal law of a state of the United States. It's, I don't know. The law doesn't say you can maul down a bunch of people. Law doesn't say you can make a bomb and send it around and blow people up. Okay. This is domestic terrorism. And, folks, we need to understand that we can take Stefan Clark, we can take Michael Brown, we can take Trayvon Martin, we can take Walter Scott, we can take uh, – and see the way that they have been described – And then we can look at these individuals that do these massive killings. Stonewall Douglas. okay, We're going to get to that. Killed all those kids. Ah, You know, it's trouble. Yeah, he's got mental health issues. That is domestic terrorism. Folks, listen. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Um, We're going to hit this comment right when we come back. We're going to get into this, this thing, this correlation between what is happening now with the movement of the young people, vice what has been happening in our country all along with movements like Black Lives Matter and so forth. Folks, hang in there with us. We'll be right back.
0: This is DT of the One Mic, One Voice podcast. Just want to let you guys know you can go over to iTunes and search us at One Mic, One Voice and be sure to rate and review our episodes. Let us know about any feedback that you have and what you enjoy about the episodes. Also, you can go over to Stitcher where you can get the latest and freshest episodes of our podcast streamed directly to your smartphone or iPad. No downloading or syncing. How cool. Real smooth. Also, we'd just like to take the time to thank you for your time and for your energy and for spending time with us as we discuss the historical record of our time. This is Dr. Laura Jalot, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show.
1: I don't know why, D. It's so hard for us to admit, to accept, to acknowledge, and then somehow come together to change the way we discuss these things. It makes no sense to me. Well, I understand why, though, because you can't maintain white superiority and white privilege and systemic racism. If you begin to talk about the truth of why we exist the way that we do. I get it. Those in power. Folks, I want you to listen to something. We've already talked a little bit about it. But take a listen.
4: What I can tell you, having listened to that recording, he does not at all mention anything about terrorism, nor does he mention anything about hate. Hate. It is the outcry of a very uh, challenged young man talking about challenges in his personal life. All right, this is ridiculous. No angel, thug, combative, career criminal, disrespectful. Were these terms used to describe evil white criminals who massacred their fellow Americans? Or were these terms used to describe unarmed black men and children who were killed at the hands of police? Wait, hold on. What about these terms? Troubled child, nerdy quiet boy, unemployed kid, clean cut American, boy with dry witted humour. So what about those terms? Were they used to describe white terrorists or black victims? The answer is of course you already know what the f***ing answer is because this is the United States of America, the only country in the world where you can carry out five explosions killing two people and still be given the benefit of the doubt and depicted in a sympathetic light as long as you're white of course. But if you happen to be black and have your life taken unjustly, you will be scrutinized, vilified, and have your name dragged through the dirt. It has been nearly 48 hours since Mark Condit blew himself up after being tracked down by law enforcement. And as we have come to expect in this country, the humanization of a man who blew two black Americans to pieces has been gut churningly despicable. From law enforcement choosing to highlight Challenged young man To a full New York Times article portraying the Austin Bomber as a quiet, nerdy, godly young man We have seen whiteness at work on steroids And not only that, some conservative mouthpieces Take a while, guess who took to Twitter to give the voice to the real victims in this act of terror, wait for it, Christians that's right, our resident hypocrite Tammy made sure to skip her usual thoughts and prayers for the actual victims who died at the hands of this monster and instead posted an article discussing how Christianity was the real victim. This coming from the same person who has built a career fearmongering against all Muslims whenever an Islamist extremist commits an act of terror. But this all falls in line with the same deflecting, humanising and downplaying of the evil actions of a troubled young man, a troubled young white man that is. So I ask, where was the stern defence of a young man like Trayvon Martin, who by the way, did not try to blow anyone up. In fact, all he wanted to do was walk home, but God forbid he put his hood up, right? For that, he was lambasted as a disrespectful thug by many of those in the media, who then offered an actual terrorist a pass. I can't believe this has to be clarified, but I guess we'll save the best juxtaposition for last, shall we? It so happened that on the same day a white suicide bomber decided to take his own life, two Sacramento police officers opted to take the life of 22-year-old Stephen Clark firing a mere, oh, 20 shots at him in his own grandmother's backyard. Cops said they mistook Clark's cell phone for a gun, oh, and then later a crowbar. I mean, I'm, I'm no tech expert here, but I've never seen a crowbar that looks even remotely like an iPhone, have you? But nonetheless, having both these stories circulate at the same time was a perfect example of whiteness at work. On the one hand, we had headlines reading robbery suspect gun down, and on the other hand we heard nerdy young man. Wake up! The way this country continues to humanise white evil and vilify black victims shows how far we have to go in not only fixing the engraved racial bias that still dictates the perception of people in this country and in the media, but in truly understanding the threat white terror poses to us. And to do that we have to condemn it with the same furiosity it deserves, not wrap it in privilege. Follow me on Instagram at Francis M. Maxwell and on Twitter at Francis M. Maxwell. Please like and share this video. Leave your comments. I will be interacting. And as always, continue to resist.
1: Wow. Francis M. Maxwell. Folks, follow him. That young man has a lot of positive things to say. I mean, he he hit it. You know, this is what we've been trying to say. Right. This is what we have been trying to say, D.
0: Right. He's not black either. No, I mean, obviously, you can hear it in his accent, uh, but I think that's important that you point that out, because it's not just us saying that, you know, these things are happening. It's other people uh, of other colors, of our uh, extension of white brothers and sisters that also understand uh, what has happened. is actually giving us a comment right now. A white female uh, says, why is it when a black male or female commits a crime? The stereotype is they must be on drugs and nothing about the possibility of mental health. Well, I, I, I mean, yeah. I would say, you know, even when they're describing these uh, these white guys who do these things, they become like a sociological symptom of society, you know, so uh, their background and how they were raised and all these other things come up when they're uh, trying to explain to the public about who they are and what was going down. But when it's a black person, you know, the psychological symptom always almost is like with the individual. There's just something wrong with him. And now I have to address that. You know, uh, it has nothing else to do with the way that uh, these people's resources have been taken away, rejected um, their their whole way of life is is continuous and consistent with, you know, the pressures of the society, whereas it is not just that one day they wake up and here we are. Uh, but like she's saying, you know, that perception of what it is to be black from the gate is often, often, you know, putting us at a, at a, at a disadvantage, uh, starting from behind. And then we become sacrifices to the systems, you know. The, the, you know,
1: Eliza's question can be answered this way. In the Stonewall Douglas incident, where 17 students were killed. Just about all of us can identify with that. Either you have kids, you know you have nephews, you know a teacher. You can identify with students being killed. You can identify, get this, with the humanization of those students. right? White people, who happen still to be the majority, can identify, especially in a white suburb, a suburb, can identify with that. When I have a black victim, what I have to do, if I want to prevent you from identifying with that, I have to dehumanize that person. Mm-hmm. So what I start off by saying, this person's not like you. He's a thug. He's a criminal. He's been involved with the law before. I talk about those things that distance you from associating with this person, because if you associate with this person, all of a sudden now you go, well, man, that ain't right. How could you how could you do that? Right? Just like in Stonewall Duck, that ain't how could you kill those young kids? How could he come in and kill those young kids? But yet and still I can say yeah, it was wrong, but he had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's not really his fault. Right? This is a lone wolf. This is an individual. But when it comes to black people, yeah, yeah, all black males are thugs. All yeah. black males are violent. All black males are because we pay the price for everything. Because we we're seen by the dominant culture as being monolithic. I love. Listen, robbery suspect gunned down. <laughs> Right? Right then and there, you dehumanize him. You make him a criminal, you make him less than than zero. People can't identify with him. Guess what? And and in, in the mind a person would say, Yeah, he probably was deserving of that because he probably would have hurt somebody. He was trying to rob somebody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Although that has yet to be proven. Right? And a nerdy white kid. Um so folks what's the difference i ask you what's the difference in all of this huh you got an unarmed black man but you got a guy slaughtering 59 people you got another unarmed black man shot 20 times but you got a 21 year old guy a 19 year old kid going in killing 17 people okay one is called a thug. Boston bombers, though they were white, although they identified as Muslims, it was terrorism. Guy in Vegas, love country music.
0: Let's see.
1: <laughs> um, quiet Got Another man.
0: headline uh, The man shot and killed by Sacramento police was turning his life around, his brother says. That'll never make the news.
1: The dehumanization of black people is the only way white people can stomach the death of black people. You can't make them human. You can't make them equal. You can't you can't make Trayvon Martin be your son. You can't do that. Now, let's talk for a minute, D, about this. Massive rally that we had, this great movement that's happening in our country among our young people started by mainly white young students. But let's talk about it in the light of. The movement that was started called Black Lives Matter.
0: Okay, so for clarity on both sides and what is being said. Well, one is stop gun.
1: All both of them are basically to stop gun violence, right? Right. I mean, the Black Lives Movement is to say that Black lives matter just as much as everybody else, and the gun violence of police against blacks is unacceptable, and gun violence is unacceptable. The movement with these young students is gun violence is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I I credit these students for reaching out to all groups, bringing all groups in. But notice, I can't help but notice the reception on a national scale of this movement versus the Black Lives Matter movement.
0: And what's the difference between being shot in the middle of the street and being shot inside of a school building? There's no difference. 17 being killed. How many black men have been
1: killed? Mm-hmm. How many? I mean, we, we don't even know the accurate number, it's in the thousands. It might even be in the tens. It might be in the tens of thousands. It might even be in the millions if we go back generations. We go back to lynching. We go back to Tulsa race riots, 1921. We go back to convict leasing. All those who died on the hands of the state and corporations that leased them out and killed them in the mines, in the coal mines, on the railroad tracks.
5: Mm.
1: We're talking in the millions. But yet, when black people stand up and say enough is enough, just like these our white young brothers and sisters are saying, what do we call? It's a violent movement. All lives matter. Mm -hmm. There is a counter to the movement. Why? Because the movement, the purpose of the movement is to humanize black people. And we have a system that will not do it. How, 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 how many congressional people really came out that were non black came out and supported the Black Lives Matter movement? Okay. <laughs> right. I didn't see Dick Durbin at the Black Lives Matter. He might have been there. I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe he's there. Somebody show me that, that there's, there is this, this, this concerted effort to support the Black Lives Matter movement by non-black politicians. Show me that. Remember, though, right into the show,
0: Michael and DT. Just I hope they do. Educate me. Know. Educate
1: me on that. Because what I see is, I see, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I'm not proud of these young people. I'm not saying that I don't support them and I want them to be successful. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is, guess what? There's a double standard. That's what I'm saying. And until we begin, until we begin to have this dialogue, like, why can white people in this country stand up and show angst against the injustices that happen to them? But when black people do.
0: We got a problem. We got a problem with that. Please send back up. Got a comment, brother. Hey, Brother Brian says, uh, quote, this skin is heavy. Just let that sink in for a minute. All right. Then he goes on to say, why does that quote even make the print? I don't care if he was or wasn't turning his life around because vandalism or car theft doesn't involve using that much force to detain a suspect. Mass shooters don't even get a helicopter to chase them and 20 shots fired, at least from the cops. It has nothing to do with it. I mean,
1: and, 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 and let me just say this, too. For his brother to say, my brother's going to be famous just like Trayvon Martin. Mm. You're going to remember his name. Don't remember me like that. Mm-hmm. To To say that you're going to remember his name, that he's going to be famous, that you're not going to forget... Uh, I I, don't get me wrong. I understand where his heart is at. Like he's not going to be forgotten. But folks, we don't want black and brown folk to be remembered because they were murdered. Bottom line. We add so much value to this country, to this nation, to this day one for us to be remembered beyond being murdered and slaughtered in our city streets. Elijah says, I watched the MLK special, Hope and Fury, and sadly the same crimes against black humanity seems to still be happening today and to m- too many people not paying, and there are too many people not paying attention. It's happening today. That's what this show is all about, folks. You know, we know what's being the news cycle and how people are getting caught up in this, but we still, this problem has still not been solved black men are still dying. Officers are still killing black men. D. Unless we begin to have these conversations, unless we begin to address these issues, we cannot let this fall under the radar again. Year after year, this happens. Day after day, we can't be driven and tossed by a wind with every news cycle and not realize that this problem, this in, in inequities, this injustice continues to plague black communities across this nation. Folks, what has changed? What has changed? New day, new year. There's a double standard. So what what are we saying? We're saying this. The next time you see the news cycle, ask yourself the question. Is this description based upon their race? Why is this person not being described in the true sense of their act? How can unarmed people continue to be demonized um simply because of the color of their skin man i i i i you know what i'm perplexed by the amount of problems that this country has mm-hmm. not just the violence but <laughs> the lack of understanding of the complex issues that we have prevents us from even beginning to address the elementary problems that we have. We are an uneducated, irrational, ideologically driven society on the fringes away from any truism that could change our trajectory. Mm.
0: We got another comment. we about to go out. Yeah, man. Brother Brian uh, chimes in again. He's I guess, you know, this is our era. He said men in their 60s remember lynching. Men in their 50s remember churches being firebombed. Men in their 40s remember the government creating unions to suppl- supplant black men from the job force. Men in their 30s remember the government flooding our neighborhood with dope. And sadly, men in their 20s live in the remember and the hashtag remember their name era. It's great truth. It's great truth. I mean, there is much work to be done. And it's deep because, you know, he's talking about, remember the name, we're talking about um, this kind of, uh, this double standard that we have. And the people on the other side of those names will be remembered in quite different ways. Um, Our boy, um, Trayvon Martin's yeah. murder.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a celebrity. Um, yeah. What was that fool's name? Probably not worth mentioning. Um, I can't even remember his name. I can't either. Who cares? Um, but yeah, you, you, you're right. You're right. He, he is, uh, celebrity
0: status. Dylan Ruth um, will be remembered for, um, tricking the police into a cheeseburger, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's 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 insane. Folks, we want to continue this George Zimmerman. George that was that Zimmerman. fool's name. Um folks, we 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 want to continue this conversation. I want to say to you do not let this conversation die because every time we turn away it's still happening. It's still going on. And if we don't pay attention, yeah, Listen, I believe in multitasking. We can do more we can listen we We don't have to just focus on on uh reducing gun violence. We can focus on systemic racism. we can focus on mass incarceration. We can focus our attention in many areas, so do not turn a blind eye to what is happening to black males because let me tell you something those two. Young kids, this is the tragedy of it all, with Stephen Clark. Those two young kids don't have a father. Mm -hmm. They will never know him, never experience his, his voice, his touch. I don't know whether they're boy or girl, but whatever sports or concerts they may have and He's never going to be there. Mm -hmm. No birthdays, no. No recitals, no. Daddy-daughter dance. He won't be there. When other kids are talking about their fathers, he, they can't talk about him. When they grow up and hopefully get to an age where they want to, get married or something, he won't be there. When that person needs some advice, struggling in life, he won't be there. Why? Because he was shot at 20 times and murdered. You see, we may move on, but this family can never move on. A mother has lost her son. A sibling has lost their brother. An uncle. Auntie has lost a nephew. A community has lost one of God's children. History will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time and what Will she find, will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she find that we solved nothing and remain a divided people?
0: Yes, history will speak of us.
3: We can make a
0: difference if we try. We can be the change that's in our lives. All we gotta do is work together We gotta raise our children better We gotta stop the hate,
3: stop the hate And spread the love
0: One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice can the world, one one mic, one you can change
3: the world, it's your choice One bus one You can change the world, it's your choice
1: Today's broadcast is being brought to you by Black & Studios. To learn more about Black & Studios, please visit them at blackandstudios.com or visit them on their Facebook page, Black & Studios. Today's broadcast is also being brought to you by Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. To learn more about Perry Publishing and Broadcasting, please visit their website at perrypublishingandbroadcasting.net. The opinions of the One Mic, One Voice show do not reflect the views of Black & Studios or Perry Publishing and Broadcasting. Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show.